This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope this message meets you where you are and elevates you to where God is taking you. Enjoy the message. We're starting a new series today entitled The Power of the Holy Spirit. So we just came through uh, Jesus dying on the cross and uh, being raised from the dead. And he then sent the Holy Spirit. And so that's right where we are. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to read verse 44 to 49. This is after Jesus was raised from the dead. And this is what he told his disciples um, uh, before they went to Jerusalem. And they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the power of God began to move. So that is right where we are. So let me pray. And we're going to jump right into this word. Um, Once again, Luke chapter 24, we're going to start in verse 44. Father, I thank you for the anointing that is on your word and that is on this community. We thank you for your grace and your favor that is on us. That, Father, we are still gathering, coming together and sitting and learning about you around your word. So, Father, I pray that you just speak and you minister And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come and make yourself known in every heart, in every home, in every person's life through this word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Exactly. You guys are participating, and I appreciate it. Okay, here we go. Let's jump into the word. Then he said to them, Jesus, talking to his disciples, Uh, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Like I told you guys about this, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Verse 45, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. I love that. I'm here to tell you right now, anybody can open the Bible and read it, but we need God to open our understanding. We need God to give us revelation because it's one thing to intellectually study it from a historical context. It's a whole other thing when Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and you're able to comprehend the scriptures on a spiritual level. And that's what was happening right here. Verse 46, then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. It was necessary for this to happen. Verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. I'm gonna start right, stop right there, uh, verse 47, because it says here that repentance and remission of sins must be preached, should be preached. It's both. I feel like in, in the church world at times, I feel like sometimes we could veer off into one thing and that's where um, sound doctrine comes in. Sound doctrine is you're preaching the whole council. Sound doctrine is you're preaching grace and repentance. Uh, Sound doctrine is you're preaching the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Sound doctrine is we preach about the character and behavior of Christ and the freedom we have in Christ. 
It is both and. And so I love this, that Jesus was like, look, I don't want you just to go around telling everybody, you need to repent, you need to repent, you need to repent, you're in sin, you're going to hell. No, he wants us to preach repentance, but also the forgiveness of sins. And not just preach that, oh, God loves you, and yes, he loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you, and yes, he does. But we got to tell people that they need to turn to Jesus. They need to turn uh, turn from their sin. They need to repent from dead works. It is both, amen? And so this is what I was telling the, the Bible college students at TCMI this week, is that sound doctrine is like a coin. There's always another side to that coin in scripture. If, you're gonna, if we're gonna preach forgiveness of sin and the love of God, we need to flip that coin over and talk about you're gonna know people by their fruit and that we should uh, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. There's always a flip side. If we're gonna talk about the power of God, the Holy Spirit, we also gotta talk about the power of the Holy Spirit enabling us to behave like Christ, not just experience his power. There's always a flip side, sound doctrine. Jesus broke down sound doctrine in one sentence, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 48, and you are witnesses of these saints. Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Some versions just say wait. So here it is. This is a promise. All the promises of God are yes and amen. I was praying this week on Facebook and IG in the mornings, which I pray at 7 a.m. there, um, six days a week. And one of the days I was praying the promises of God. We were just looking at the promises in God's word and just praying them. I'm gonna tell you right now, the power of the Holy Spirit, it is a promise. It is not for a certain type of Christian. It's not for those crazy wild Christians, although it is for those crazy wild Christians. It is not just for, uh, um, you know, a certain type of Christianity, a certain circle, a certain camp. This promise is from God to humanity. The Holy Spirit is not a way of doing Christianity. It's not a unique way. It's not the progressive wild. No, it is a promise from heaven to the church. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. These, he's talking to believers. He's talking to Christ's followers. He's talking to the faithful. And he's saying, there is more to this than just believing in Christ. You can walk in the power of his spirit. This is what the word power means in the Greek. It's the Greek word dunamis. Or, um, you know, it's spelled D-I, sorry, D-Y-N-A-M-I-S. Or dynamis. It comes from the word dynamite. And I just want to give you the definition of this. That this just, I think sometimes we, we kind of put this, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in a certain, in a certain church camp, a certain, um, certain type of Christianity. No, this is for the church, capital C, the global church. Every believer can operate and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what it means. It means force. It means might. It means ability, efficacy, 
energy. Even it correlates with the word violence. Not, not violence to hurt people, but the power of God isn't always um, cute and quiet. That there is a spiritual power and even uh, violence, the ability to perform. That's what it means. Power through God's ability. Dynamis, dynamis, um, dunamis. Here it is. It's needed. This is by definition. It's not my words here. Is needed in every scene of life to really grow in sanctification and prepare us for heaven. I'm gonna say it one more time. Dunamis is this. The power of the Holy Spirit is needed in every aspect of life to really grow in sanctification and prepare us for heaven. All right, so as we read in Luke chapter 24, verse 44 to 49, uh, Jesus told his disciples to go to Jerusalem, wait, uh, you know, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. So he is speaking to his bride. He is speaking to future world changers. I mean, literally, this is it. I mean, think about this. Jesus, this really happened, right? He, he, he rises from the dead, comes back to his disciples, says, look, uh, go to Jerusalem, wait. Don't do anything. God never intended his church to be a religious institution. It was uh, a life-changing community that God would use to transform cities by his power. And he said, don't go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe we have to approach God in our walk with him like that. That God, I don't want to do anything without your power, without your guidance. Sometimes we need to learn how to just wait on God in a situation and say, we're not going to do anything until, until we are, we receive the power of God. You know, um, that we don't want to do things void of the power and anointing of God. That is not how the, the church was birthed in power. It started with power. It, that was the standard of the early church. Was, it was the power of God was normal, okay? And here, you know, the church without power is weak. It's anemic, it's frail, and it's literally a malnourished body. Uh, we need the power of God. We need the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power in every aspect of our life. And here it is so um, powerful because in Scripture, if you even look in the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, every narrative of anybody called by God, they all had at least one encounter. One, I mean, at least it, it, I mean, a powerful encounter. Apostle Paul, Jesus appears to him. He falls off his horse. He's blind for three days. Um, you know, Gideon, angel comes. I mean, Abram, time and time again. Joseph had a dream. I mean, look out there at the disciples. I mean, Jesus walked up on them. The, the Mount of Transfiguration. We're talking the woman, with, the woman with the issue of blood, the woman caught in the act of adultery, the blind Bartimaeus. I mean, all throughout the book of Acts, then the people of God, the body started to, to reach out and pray for people. And I mean, the power of God was normal. So look at, this is my first point 
guys, this is it right here. Encounters with God are normal. And, and God uses a, these events, these moments in our journey. I mean, there's been time and time again where when I first got saved, I was experiencing the power of God as a teenager by myself in my prayer times where I would be weeping and God would be, I would be crying, just seeking his faith and God would be delivering me of, of, of the rage and the anger and the bitterness and the abuse and the effects of my childhood. I mean, time and time again. And then I'd get into a worship gathering at church and I would be at the altar and I was the one at the altar all the time, just in tears, just shaking and crying. And afterwards, everybody's like, hey, Sean, you okay? Yeah, I'm actually much better now, actually. You know, our man, are you all right? What's, no, I mean, I mean, everything is great. I, I mean, the power of God. I mean, you know, and even in our local church, there's something we do in our gatherings. We, we call it ministry time. And we um, don't even plan that. My wife don't talk and I don't plan and talk about it. We, when, when it comes, we, and we in our community, we literally only uh, sing three songs. Because, it, and, and this isn't a, a law for other churches or other people. They have to do it this way. Something I feel like God has given us and how God wants us to flow is the only, the reason we do that is we leave, up, we leave time and room for just to see what God does. There's times Crystal Gale, my wife, may give somebody a prophetic word. I may give somebody a prophetic word. We might do an altar call. We might um, just kind of just almost preach in that moment and pray, cry out to God. But we need to leave room for encounters because they are all throughout scripture. I mean, they're all over the place. And this is how God operates. There's a lot to be done and a lot to do after the encounter. There's a lot of context for that, how we behave after an encounter and the fruit of that encounter. But I'm gonna tell you right now, the church started. The church, the local church 2,000 years ago started with 120 people in a room seeking God and there was an encounter. The power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a theological discourse. It wasn't a seminar. It wasn't some cute, uh, some, you know, celebrity preacher that looked real cool. That was the attraction of the day. It was the power of God. All right. Once again, encounters with God are normal. They should be normal. Experiencing the presence of God should be a normal part of our lives. It should be a normal part. Here, let's go to Acts chapter one now. Let's go there. The, the, the power of God. Turn, turn your Bibles. Acts chapter one, verse four. And here we go in the Acts now, okay? So we're in Luke, and now here it comes. Here comes the Holy Spirit. As a, you know, and the presence of God's about to fill the house. There's been times where, I mean, it, whether it's privately, um, publicly, there's been times publicly, or not publicly, I, I remember um, casting demons out of this person in a parking lot. Um, and I know sometimes people say, man, that can get weird. That look, no, I mean, just because people are weird doesn't mean we resist the power of God operating. I mean, this is in a parking lot. This person's eyes were all, you know, changing color for real. His tongue is moving like a snake. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I just laid hands on him and, uh, and I, I do what I did, what I saw, I read in the Bible, come out in the name of Jesus. And he was getting delivered. His friend was there um, and he was away from God. He turned away from God. He backslid, what a lot of people say. And he saw his friend manifesting demons and getting delivered and weeping and crying as a result of the power of God. 
And his friend was like, I got to give my life back to Jesus. I'll tell you what, the power of God will send people running to God more than I didn't have to sit there and try to convince him. I didn't have to badger him with religious rhetoric. The power of God moved and he was like, I need to get saved again. I need to come back to God. And so here we go. Acts chapter one, verse four. Check this out. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Here it is. But to wait for the promise of the Father. Once again, I'm gonna reiterate this. The Holy Spirit and the power of God operating in your life is not a religious doctrine solely. It's not not just theology. It is the promise of the Father, okay? Which he said, you have heard from me. Uh, Verse five, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so there's a, there is a differentiation between repentance and faith in Christ and operating in the power of God because you can have faith in Christ and not have the power of God. Yes, you have the power of God because you have faith, but there's a differentiation. It says, John, truly baptized with water. That's great. That's repentance. That's salvation. That represents salvation. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They were already believers, but they were not filled with power. They they, they were walking with God, following his voice, but they were void of the power of God. And God just doesn't want you saved. He wants you filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, just like he told these early believers. Here it is. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse seven, and he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the father has put in his own authority. Uh, You know, and I know we all have questions, but it's amazing when you get filled with the power of God, how it answers a lot of questions. Actually, it doesn't answer maybe the poignant question, but I think when we get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we have less questions. Our questions pale in comparison to the satisfaction and wholeness we experience by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. Look, I'm not going to tell you that, and, 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 and Father God's not going to tell you that. But, verse 8, here it is. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Yeah, so it says there, right there in Acts 1, that you shall be witnesses. I know a lot of times we say, oh, let's go and witness. In in this context, we don't go witness, we are witnesses. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit that makes us a witness. We can't witness for what we have not encountered or experienced. It's impossible. A witness is somebody that it is a reality. It is a state of being. It is who I am. I am a spirit-empowered Christ follower. So I am empowered and enabled to be a witness of this. I remember not too long ago in one of our gatherings, we're in worship, and I just remember, like I was up on the platform during what we call ministry time, and I just was crying out to God. I felt like in my heart, man, just, I want more of you, God. And I just remember, I just kind of broke. I started get, uh, tearing and just, I don't know, the whole script kind of went out the, 
that went out the window. The whole, and I just went after God. It was just different. It was unique. It was an encounter with God that I just, I, he began to just break me, began to weep in his presence. And I, in the moment, I'm like, I don't know where this is going to go exactly. I don't know how this is going to end up. I know we have a plan. I know we have an agenda, of course. That's how we um, do services as a church. Of course, we want to kind of know what we're doing and have a plan. But in those moments, that was just a real moment. I think God was just touching me in front of everybody. I'm thinking there. And then my mind's kicking in like, man, people probably think Pastor Sean's being a little emotional today. You know, or, and that's fine, but it was just an encounter with God. And in my spirit, um, you know, I was being changed again. So this doesn't have to always be that, that story years ago, um, that one time. The, and, I, and I'm not saying this needs to be some hyper um, chasing encounters. We're God seekers. But if you seek God, you're going to find yourself with an experience and an encounter time and time again. And here's another one. Here's another uh, power of God encounter, just as a father, just really touches my heart. I just remember I was just feeling like um, um, a lot of spiritual warfare um, in the fall of last year, around October. Um, just, um, I don't know, just feeling spiritual attack. And some of you out there may know what that means or how, how that can play out in a Christian's life. That warfare is real. And so as a result of that, though, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just go pray for my daughter. So I said, Gia, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, lift your hands. I'm going to lay hands on you right now. We were literally like, I think, walking down the stairs. It wasn't like, it, it was just, it, we were just, I don't know. She had to get her shoes on. I was like, hey, before we, let me just, I laid hands on her. And the, and, and the presence of God filled her heart. And she began to just um, just pray. And she began to pray in other tongues as the Spirit gave her. It's right there. I mean, in the warfare, just, I mean, as a father, I just said, girl, I want to just, I'm just going to pray for you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, and then uh, times after that, even in our prayer time, because I pray with my kids every night. She would pray in the Holy Spirit, and it's just, man, that's my daughter, right? So, I mean, that's, the, that's a, just a reality. It isn't uber um, spooky or uber spirit. It's just, man, this is normal. This is the normal Christian life. Of course, I want my daughter to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and she's still walking out her faith and learning things. But, man, that was, that was, that was not a Bible study. I just laid hands on my daughter's head, seven-year-old, and pray, God, fill her with the Holy Spirit. And God touched her heart. God touched her heart. And I shared it with some people. Um, I was just texting people, man, my daughter just got filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so, um, so that, that, this, is who, this promise is for all of us. Check this out. Acts chapter 2, verse 39. Look at this. For, this is Peter preaching. He says, for the promise. There's that word promise again. Everybody say promise. Very good. Appreciate the participation again. For the promise, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. I mean, I want everything God has promised. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, is, is one of those things that I refuse to live without. And so here's my second point. We're all called to live a spirit-empowered life. That is, God is calling us all to live a holy, spirit-empowered life. 
Acts chapter 19, verse one, here we go. This is, this is a powerful uh, scripture here, a narrative in scripture that differentiates faith in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working in somebody's life. Check this out, verse one. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Who did he find? Disciples. Who did he see there? Disciples. Disciplined followers of Jesus. Verse two, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they had already believed. They're believers. They're disciples. They're walking with God. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Like news to us. We don't know what, what that is or what, you know, we're believers and disciples, but what is that? Verse three, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? They said what? John's baptism, salvation, repentance from dead works, baptized, um, uh, baptizes us um, being buried in the likeness of his death and being raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse four, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with, with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him Repentance, believe, there it is. It's very clear here. And whom um, would come after him, this is on Christ Jesus. Verse five, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here it is, verse six. It's when the power of God comes in their life. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, the believers, the disciples, the Christ followers, and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. It, it brought them in to a different dimension of a walk with God and the power of God. They began to prophesy. They began to declare the word of God with authority. They began to speak with other tongues. And here, I'm gonna talk about this next week, doesn't say there was an interpretation. And we're gonna talk about this next week, the difference between praying in the spirit and praying in tongues and giving a message in tongues where there is an interpretation. And we're gonna break that down because operating in the power of God is both. There can be a message in tongues, but there's also praying in the spirit and, and praying in tongues and they spoke in tongues and prophesied there. And so here it is, they simply laid it. So as a believer, you don't need the super anointed pastor, preacher, bishop to lay hands on people Believers have authority to pray for people and to pray that they get filled with the Holy Spirit. So God is calling you to be filled with more of him. That's what I wanted to share with you today. I mean, God is calling you, man, to be filled with more of him, to be filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, and all throughout the book of Acts, you can see that they were filled and being filled, like they were refilled. There were some people that got filled on Pentecost and it shows later where they got filled again. So I know sometimes, you know, they say Christians can be leaky. I mean, we can be leaky. We, we, I mean, we just kind of sometimes can feel like we're, we're losing the power of God, but God can fill you up again. You just need to be like, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me, submerge me. God, I need your spirit to be a good husband. I need your spirit to be a good pastor. I need your spirit to walk out of this house. Lord, I need your spirit to go to Target 
and to walk amongst people. I need your Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Some people love to go to Home Depot, right? You need the Holy Spirit to just go out there and engage in life. You need the Holy Spirit for your career, your job. You need the Holy Spirit for your education. You need the Holy Spirit to be a witness. So to review our points here, that encounters with God are normal. They're normal. They're a part of the normal Christian life. And we are all called to live a spirit-empowered life. God's heart is that every believer walks and experiences the power of God. Or it wouldn't be so prevalent in Scripture and in people's lives. God wants your family, your children. The Bible says the promise is to your children and to all those who are far off. God's heart. He would not have sent the Holy Spirit and made it... um, the initial primary thing that happened before the church put their feet to this thing. He said, no, go and wait. Think about the value God himself, our Father's place, calls it the promise. I mean, there's a lot of promises in the Bible, but this one in scripture is capital P. It is the promise of the Father. Every promise in Christ is gonna be experienced through him. And, be, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit is that, that we are in him. And the Bible says we, in him we live and move and have our being. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so here we go. Here is my last point, or really it's a question. Uh, what does a spirit-empowered life really look like? And so I just want to give you some practical things that, and this isn't the, the only ones. I just, in my own heart and spirit, as I was studying and praying, I just wanted to write some down and and you can find scriptures and all kinds of stuff with this. And I believe there's things that you've experienced. I I, I want to tell you this as well, is I want you to share your encounters with people. That just builds faith in people. Man, this one time God did this, God came in, God healed me, God touched me, God delivered me. I was in worship and God did this. I mean, this ought to be just part of our everyday our language, our, this is how we, um, this is how we are a witness, is share what the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, what, share what has happened. And, and, and God, I believe if we're faithful, God will give us more. And maybe we're lacking encounters because we failed to share them with others. And so share them, share them. And, and I believe that's, that's stewarding the, the mysteries of God well is telling people of the signs and wonders that you experience, and it'll build faith in others. Here we go. What does a spirit-empowered life look like? So here it is. The spirit and language of faith is consistent in your life. Because the Bible says that we've all been given, we have a spirit of faith that we believe and therefore speak. So, So when you are empowered by the spirit, you can't help it. Your language is in faith. You may have moments or days but because you're empowered by the Spirit, you, you, you can't help it. You, the power of God's coming out of your mouth. Faith is coming out of you. The Spirit in which you carry yourself. You walk into a room where, it's, where um, people are down or, or, or people are depressed or you walk into an environment and when you walk in because of the Spirit of God in your life, faith walks in the room. Uh, the power of God walks in the room. The Spirit in which you carry yourself is just different. It is different. Okay, um, here's another one. When you're, when, you're walk, when you're living a spirit-empowered life, you aren't easily offended because 
um, when we are given the power of the Holy Spirit and we are our witnesses, actually, if you look at that word witness in the Greek, it means martyr. So when you are touched by God on the level of the Holy Spirit filling your life, I believe with all my heart that it is so real and so creating such a wholeness in you and touching you on such a deep spiritual soul level that you would, will be willing to die for it. And so even in offenses just don't grab you like they used to. You don't catch grudges. The power of the Holy Spirit's operating in your life and you're operating on a different level. Here's another one. It's that when you mess up in sin, you're quick to repent because you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit, I mean, they, 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 they get over offense real quick and, they, and they, don't, they don't allow that stuff to fester. And when they mess up, they're like, look, I'm sorry, I messed up. It might take them a minute, but they come, th- they come around and say, I was wrong. They're quick to repent. Here is another one, is that you hear the voice of God. I, I notice this with people that are walking a spirit-empowered life, is they hear the voice of God consistently. And they receive revelation and direction from God. And they consistently have a word from God. And they easily just share what God is saying to them in this season. Here's some more. I'm just going to give you these quick. Those that are connected to you grow in faith. And they benefit spiritually from your lifestyle. Um, those are benefits of a spirit-empowered life. Those around you tend to just grow in the Lord because of the influence of the presence of God in your life. Um, When you pray, things happen. Here's another one. You readily experience God's favor and blessing. Manipulation, gossip, and wrong motives grieve your heart. When you're empowered by the Spirit, those things, you don't mess with that. You don't even want to touch that. You don't even want to go near that. They grieve your heart. And those people that are operating in those things stay far away from you because, because there's, it just does not mix. It's like oil and vinegar. Oil of the Holy Spirit and vinegar of bitterness, they just do not mix. Um, and you feel at home in the presence of God. So these are just practical things, just a few. I wish I could just go on and on about these and really talk about them. But there is the fruit of a spirit-empowered life, and this is some of that. So let me just pray for you here, everybody. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, just pray for everybody to be filled right now with the Holy Spirit. I pray you baptize them. I pray you fill them. I pray they begin to prophesy, that they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. I pray that everybody within the sound of my voice begins to live a Spirit-empowered life like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed the message, and my prayer is that it inspired and challenged you. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings, and to stay connected, just follow us on social media. Remember, there's always hope, and your future in God is great.